Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. Today we are talking about transformational knowledge. When we get to Romans chapter 10, Paul talks about the most important knowledge that can change your life. We see certain things periodically throughout history that have dramatically changed how we live our lives. But nothing changes our lives more than the knowledge that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 10. What is that? I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on transformational knowledge. Every so often, there are some new ideas that come along that seem to change the world. There's some new knowledge that we come to understand that has a dramatic impact on how we live our lives. For example, prior to the rise of the internet, no innovation did more for the spread of knowledge than Johann Gutenberg's printing press. Developed around 1440 in Mainz, Germany, the printing press was able to print as many as 3,600 pages per day. By 1500, over 1,000 Gutenberg presses were operating in Europe. And by 1600, they had created over 200 million new books. The printing press not only made books affordable for the lower classes, but it helped spark the Age of Enlightenment. In 1518, followers of Martin Luther used the printing press to copy and disseminate his 95 Theses, which jump-started the Protestant Reformation and spurred conflicts like the Thirty Years' War. The printing press proved so influential in prompting revolutions, religious upheaval, and scientific thought that Mark Twain would later write, what the world is today, good and bad, it owes to Gutenberg. Another piece of knowledge that changed our world was our ability to create artificial light. Electric lights developed throughout the 1800s thanks to the efforts of inventors like Thomas Edison and Joseph Swan. The two of them patented the first long-lasting light bulbs in 1879 and 1880, liberating society from a near-total reliance on daylight. Electric lights went on to be used in everything from home lighting and street lamps to flashlights and car headlights. The complex networks of wires erected to power early light bulbs also helped pave the way for countless other in-home appliances. Another piece of knowledge that has changed our world was the invention of the steam engine. Cars, airplanes, factories, 
trains, spacecraft. None of these transportation methods would have been possible if not for the early breakthrough of the steam engine. The first practical use of external combustion dates back to 1698, when Thomas Savory developed a steam-powered water pump. Steam engines were then perfected in the late 1700s, and then went on to fuel one of the most momentous technological leaps in human history during the Industrial Revolution. Throughout the 1800s, external combustion allowed for exponential improvement in transportation, agriculture, and manufacturing, and also powered the rise of world superpowers like Great Britain and the United States. The steam engine's basic principle of energy into motion set the stage for later inventions like internal combustion engines and jet turbines, which prompted the rise of cars and aircraft during the 20th century. In Romans 10, Paul writes about some other transformational knowledge that has dramatically changed our lives. It is the knowledge that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and declare with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you have never done that before, you can do that here this morning. In Romans 10, Paul talks about three things, a lack of knowledge, saving knowledge, and chain link knowledge. First of all, he talks about a lack of knowledge. Romans 10, 1 through 4. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. As we talked about last week, Paul had this deep passion and desire that Israel would be saved. Paul understood that Jesus is both the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. He honored Israel's passion for God, but grieved their misunderstanding and their rejection of their Messiah. Israel was very religious. They were focused on God and concerned about God but they were more devoted to the rules and regulations than to the grace and the truth. Paul says here that their religious zeal for God was not based on knowledge. I see this happening today. I see people posting comments on social media about God that contradict the knowledge the Bible gives us. I see people sharing thoughts about meditation or inner peace 
or new discoveries that are not consistent with the knowledge the scriptures give us. You can see that some people are spiritually hungry. They are looking for the truth. But their discoveries sound more like spiritual junk food and empty secular motivational speeches rather than the way, the truth, and the life who is Jesus Christ. What Paul saw in his day was that the message of God's salvation, which is given to people who simply believe, did not please Israel's religious leadership. The irony was that the Jewish people who had studied the Old Testament for hundreds of years were the people who missed it. And the Gentiles who knew very little about the Bible were the ones who accepted it. Paul was so excited that some of the Gentiles received the good news and believed it. But he was also deeply grieved by his own people's rejection of it. They suffered from a lack of knowledge, which continues to plague many people today. Secondly, Paul writes about saving knowledge. Romans 10, 5 through 13 says, Moses writes about this, writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is saving knowledge. That if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. We are all saved the same way. Paul quotes here from Joel 2.32 when he says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When St. Augustine wrote about this passage, he said what is required of us is to believe and call on the name of the Lord. What is offered to us by God is that we will be saved. He said what is required of us is within our human power and that what is offered to us is within the power of God. 
all of the doings that are asked of us by the law and which we could never accomplish perfectly are now accomplished perfectly by Christ. That means the only thing that remains for us to do in order to be saved is to believe. Christ has done the doing, so all we need to do is believe. Jesus is like the tree that does all the work to produce a perfectly right piece of fruit. And all we have to do is reach out and take it and eat it. All God asks of you is to put your faith in his son. All he asks of you is to believe. Faith is a divine possibility, and it is an immediate possibility. You don't have to wait for it. You can have it right now. All you have to do is ask. Thirdly, Paul talks about chain link knowledge. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the evangelical chain that salvation comes to all who simply call on Christ. But to call on Christ, we have to believe in him. And to believe in him, we have to hear about him. And to hear about him, someone has to bring the message to us. And for someone to bring the message to us, someone has to be sent. Paul is saying that he and others who have been sent to proclaim the Savior of the world, because they proclaimed the message and people heard it, they believed it, and they called on Christ, and they were saved. So now you join the chain. Become the next link in the chain. Now you can go and share this good news with others. If you proclaim it, others will hear it, and some will believe it and be saved. Paul was probably thinking about Isaiah 65.1, which says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. Sometimes we are surprised by the people who believe in Christ and those who don't believe in Christ. Sometimes we are surprised by the people who start coming to church and those who stop coming to church. It doesn't always make sense to us, but we need to have open hearts and open minds because God draws people to himself that we would not expect. One example of this chain link knowledge is the story of Edward Kimball. Most people have never heard of Edward Kimball, but he was a Sunday school teacher who prayed for the hyper boys in his class 
and sought to win each one to the Lord personally. He decided he would be intentional with every single one of them. Surely he thought about throwing in the towel. If you've ever taught the Bible to young boys, you know that the experience can often be like herding cats. One boy in particular didn't seem to understand what the gospel was about. So Kimball went to the shoe store where he was stocking shelves and confronted him in the stockroom with the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The name of that young boy was Dwight L. Moody. In the stockroom on that Saturday, he believed the gospel and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Over the course of his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God, with thousands professing Christ through his ministry. And the chain link continued on. Under Dwight L. Moody, one man whose heart was touched for God was a man named Wilbur Chapman. Chapman also became an evangelist, and he preached to thousands of people. One day, a professional baseball player had a day off, and he decided to attend one of Chapman's meetings. The baseball player's name was Billy Sunday, and he committed his life to Christ. Billy Sunday quit baseball and became part of Chapman's team. When Chapman accepted the pastorate of a large church, Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades. At one of his crusades, a young man converted to Christ, whose name was Mordecai Ham. He was a scholarly, dignified gentleman who wasn't above renting a hearse and parading it through the streets, advertising his meetings. Once, Mordecai Ham went to Charlotte, North Carolina, to lead some evangelistic meetings. There, a sandy-haired, lanky, young high school student vowed he would not go hear him preach. But later on, Billy changed his mind and decided to go. It turned out he was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, Billy responded to the invitation and was converted. And that is how Billy Graham became a Christian. Billy Graham probably preached to more people than any other person who ever lived. The chain link went from Edward Kimball to Dwight L. Moody to Wilbur Chapman to Billy Sunday to Mordecai Ham to Billy Graham. Where will it go next? So in Romans 10, Paul is asking us three very important questions. Number one, are you suffering from a lack of knowledge? Do you understand the message of the Bible and the truth God has revealed to us? Number two, where do you stand in the chain link of knowledge? Who passed on the good news of Christ to you? And who are you passing on the good news to? 
Who has God brought into your life that you can share your faith with so that they can come to believe? And then thirdly, have you received this saving knowledge for yourself? Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Have you done that yet? If not, you can do it right now. If you are ready to believe in your heart and to confess him with your mouth, you can be saved right now. And if you want to, you can pray with me. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for creating me, for giving me life and bringing me into this world. I admit to you that I have sinned against you, that I have disobeyed you and broken your laws. I admit that I am lost and that I need your help. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came into our world to live for me, and that you died on the cross in my place for my sins, and that you rose again from the dead on Easter Sunday. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I invite you to come into my life to save me, to change me, to be my Lord, to take charge of who I am, and to make me like you. Send me out into the world to live for you. I want to be yours for the rest of eternity. Amen. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.